Hey everybody, just a quick word before we get into the episode. From the corrections department, in the first episode, we accidentally referred to Derek Mears as Jason Mears, uh, who played Jason Voorhees in the remake of Friday the 13th. Uh, understandable mistake, because uh, we were kind of mixing together the character he played and his first name. Also, uh, I want to apologize. Uh, I sort of fall apart in this episode. Uh, we record late at night. Um, I was very flustered uh, by some picks in the draft and, and didn't prepare for a number of the stuff I drafted. So I just want to apologize ahead of time because I feel like I did not bring in uh, my A game to this episode. But I hope you enjoy it nonetheless. Thanks, everybody. Welcome to this second episode of the Horror Drafts Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brantley Palmer, joined by my other co-host, Nicholas Schwartz. Today, we are going to be drafting Prestige Horror, the best of the best, the creme de la creme. And we're joined by the director of the independent thriller film, Through the Woods. (laughs) He's worked on such TV series as The Starter Wife, Beauty and the Geek, and on such big budget films as Moneyball. He's the co-host. IMDb. I am. He's the co-host of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. There we go. It's Lee Carlo. Lee, thanks so much for joining us. Happy to be here, guys. I'm super excited to be on a horror podcast. <laughs> I know. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, the Get Your Film Fix podcast is a great podcast that I used to host with Lee, and uh, I've been, gone on there uh, since I've left, and, and they've kept going to discuss horror with him and debate Lee, basically, about why <laughs> horror has value and not to look down <laughs> his nose at it, basically. <laughs> so. Yeah, this- we're the, we, we're the stuffy version of the Horror Draft podcast. We're <laughs> yes, yeah. We and, discuss uh, good movies. There you go, exactly. <laughs> I love it. And, uh, and Lee actually reached out, and I, I will admit I was a little surprised because he said, I'd love to be on. I'd, I'd love to come on and talk about prestige horror films. Yeah. So, Look, I, Brantley, I, I, I knew you guys were doing this podcast, and I, I, you know, as you know, and I'll reveal, like, horror is not my genre. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just not one that I've related to. It's not one I've seen a lot of over the years. But I was like, let me listen to it, and I really really enjoyed it. I love the format. I love the kind of the quirkiness of like the commissioner and the undrafted free agents and the steals and the reaches of the draft. I thought it was really great. And you guys talked about the Friday the Thirteenth franchise, which Brantley, you know, like I hate. Okay, I I've only seen the first one, and I hated it (laughs) no that was some 10 years ago i've softened i've like i've taken my critics hat off or have at least loosened it so maybe those movies deserve a revisit and i can enjoy them for what they are but i just really liked the the idea you guys have i think it's a blast and i'm like shit i'd love to be on this but like what good am i 
I'm not going to be able to do this. So I was like, prestige horror. Like, let's, when they talk about, like, the, the best of the best, the Oscar winners, the critically acclaimed, that's when I can come on. And I was so happy that you guys uh, invited me. So I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Well, we're happy to have you. Uh, Super excited. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, look, I mean, you know, we usually start this off asking, you know, kind of what people, you know, what, what people should check out, like what you've watched that you would recommend. I don't know if you've watched anything horror. You don't have to. Of course, you can talk about anything. But is there anything you've been watching, Lee, that you yeah, a couple things. Out? Um, in terms of horror, so I I am very intrigued by Candyman. You guys talked about that a little bit um, mm-hmm. on the last pod. I think you guys have seen it. I'm not sure if actually both of you have seen it, but I was very intrigued by it. I think Nia DaCosta is an interesting director. Chapin saw it, had had kind of a good recommendation for it for me. Um, haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I went back and I watched the 1992 version. I wanted mm-hmm. to see what this was all about. Um, it was okay. I, I thought it was smart right i thought it was well done i thought it had some real flourishes to it um especially kind of the beginning it was very patient i thought you know when horror is at its best it is it lets its audience kind of wait to see what's going to happen instead of just putting it right in front of your face unfortunately it eventually started just like putting everything right in front of my face which i thought hurt the movie but it was you know i don't know that it made me want to see the new one more or less but Mm -hmm. i'm glad i watched it because i from my understanding is the new one's a sequel right Um, yeah yeah it's technically supposed to be a sequel yes um so yeah i'm curious to see that and look like like i said like i i like every film student you know i i we started the get your film fix podcast and i was stuffy and you know, pretentious. And I kind of stuck my nose up at a lot of movies that were within the horror genre and had either camp to them or whatever it may, may be. And I think I look at them differently now, you know, I'm, I'm an adult, I'm relaxed. I, I also don't have the brain power to like sit through a Malick film every, (laughs) every night. So (laughs) sometimes movies like that just kind of work for me. And I, I thought Virginia Madsen was really great in it. She's an actress I love. Um, you know, Tony Todd, I think was, you know, a pretty menacing villain. So in, in many ways that movie worked. Um, it's, you know, it's not one I'll, I'll watch again. It's not necessarily one I'll recommend, but, um, but yeah, like that in terms of horror, since it's a horror podcast, that's what I've been doing. I've been spending a little bit more time getting prepared for Dune, um, Mm. which is coming. Uh, my first attempt in getting prepped for that, which was was watching the David Lynch version. Have you guys seen that? Yeah. Okay. I, I could not Never. get through it. <laughs> it's, so that, it's not that, the best. That failed. Um, so instead, I just went back. I started revisiting some Denis Villeneuve movies. I revisited Arrival mm-hmm. and Prisoners, both of which I just think are incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just the director I love. Sicario is one of my favorites. Um, even some of his earlier stuff that I've seen, Polytechnique, I think is a really interesting film. Um, Blade Runner 2049 is, is really great. You know, it's, it's, I think oddly one of his more forgettable movies, but you know, he's a fantastic director. I can't wait to see what he does with Dune because despite the flaws in the Lynch version, it's a really interesting story. And I think a visionary like Villeneuve will do great things with it. So I'm excited about that. So that's, that's been what I've been up to. Um, revisiting those movies, getting prepped for that, and and trying to do my best to enlighten myself in horror in the horror genre. Going back to 1992 with Candyman. Nice. 
I, I think you'll like the newer Candyman over um, the original. I, I think kind of what I was talking about in the first episode is that the original kind of revels in that like blood and guts and gore uh, mm-hmm. in the first film. And the newer one doesn't so much, you know? I mean, there's some of it there, but it's not like it's, you know reveling in it the way that the first one does and mm-hmm. um but it is good that you watch the first one because it it ties directly into the uh, yeah that's new what, one <clears throat> that's what i was thinking like and i really do try like i do that all the time with even directors right if there's a a movie come, for whatever reason this comes to mind you know uh eliza hitman did never rarely sometimes always and i knew that that movie was coming out last year as a movie i really enjoyed but before that came out, I went back and saw some of her other movies, Beach Rats and can't remember the name of the other one now, but I just want to be familiar with the director and the same thing applies, right? Like with a movie like Candyman, I kind of want to know where it's coming from mm-hmm. because I think that's the intention when the movie's made, right? Like you should have seen the first one. So I want to be able to give these movies the credit they deserve and and that means doing my homework. So That's awesome, man. Appreciate you putting in the putting in the effort there. I think it's going to pay off. Uh, had I known how much it tied into the original, I would have rewatched it before watching yeah. the new one. I, again, like I talked in the first one, I, I don't, I don't, I try not to read very much. I try to go in blind so as not to, you know, have anything affect right, right. me. And had I seen, had I known how much it would, I think I would have, uh, <laughs> I would have watched the first one again for sure. Um, Nick, man, anything you want people to check out? Um, not so much. I did see one. And I haven't watched much horror lately. I saw one film actually a couple nights ago. Wouldn't recommend it, but it's worth discussing. Maybe it's called Seance. It's um, mm-hmm. I think it just came out on Shutter. It's actually the film by uh, I think it's a director. No, sorry, it's a feature directorial debut of uh, Simon Barrett, who you know is like Adam Wingard's writing partner. I think he wrote Your Next. He wrote The Guest. Gotcha. I think he wrote the Blair Witch twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know he's he's done some directing. I think he directed some segments on the VHS films, um, the Blade Disgusting anthology series. Um, yeah, it's. Um, I, I don't want to say he should stick to writing because um, it was it, it was good. It was fine, um, but um, it's it was it's puzzling. It's a it's a visually just really one of the ugliest films I've ever seen. Just uh, aesthetically, the okay, entire film is shot. It looks like it was shot through a fishbowl. Not just in a fisheye lens, but it looks like it was shot through a fishbowl. The entire film takes place in, like, <clears throat> this private school. Um, and it's just such an interesting and bold aesthetic choice because, um, you know, it's not... There's always... There's a group of girls who are in, like, every shot, so they're filling the frame. And always, always, the two girls or the three girls or whatever it might be on the edge of the frame are incredibly distorted. It's just so unflattering. It's such a weird aesthetic choice. And, like, I'm all for visual metaphors or whatever. Like, if you have a good reason for doing it. And maybe there was a reason for doing it. But for the life of me, I couldn't find it. And I was just so distracted by it. It genuinely looked like a mistake. Like, the DP showed up with just one lens. And they had to shoot the whole film that way. It was (laughs) ugly. And it was too distracting to actually enjoy the film. Which was okay. It was not a great horror movie. But it was, you know, it was fun. And uh, the third act is great. It doesn't really earn it. But it's, it's, it's fun. And, uh... Anyway, I liked your next. I like the guest. I think he's a great writer. Um, those are fun. So, you know, I'll still definitely watch what he does next, but I, I don't recommend watching Seance. Okay. All right. Good to know. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, 
I would think there must be some thematic reason to have it look like that. It's not like from the point of view of like some ethereal creature or something that's like watching them. I thought I could kind of maybe understand that sort of setup like that. Yeah, and uh, well, I it's funny too because I mean, like horror as a genre is not typically, you know, a genre that is viewed through like a wide angle lens. You know, I mean, like mm-hmm. I. In, I'll talk about The Shining. This will not be the first time I talk about The Shining tonight or ever on this podcast. But, like, that's a movie that takes place entirely in brightly lit interiors with wide-angle lenses. But that's so unusual for the genre. And this movie took place in a really cramped, like, you know, private school. There was no reason whatsoever to shoot this way. Um, It was just so, so bizarre. And, honestly, it took me out of the film, like, from the first frame. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, Good to know. Um, I've, actually, yeah, yeah. I, I've actually watched a bunch of horror, but a, a, a lot of it I'm not going to talk about because it might pertain to an upcoming draft we're going to do. So I don't want to spoil anything there. Um, but I've been catching up on, on some stuff. But I did, um, I mentioned I hadn't even watched any of the Fear Street movies that were on Netflix um, in the first episode. I've watched the first two. So I've watched the 1994 one and the 1978 um, I have not watched the third one yet, but I, I agree with uh, what Corey said, which is that I, I did like the second one, the 1978 that's set at the camp uh, more than the first one. Um, but they were both really fun. And I like how they kind of um, weaved back in with each other. So even though the second one's set in 78, you're still seeing the continuation of the first story from 94 and they're kind of tying them in together. Um, so that's really cool. I'm, I'm very interested to watch the the um, third one to finish it up. And I think that it's like a really cool way to do it. You know, like if you know you're going to make a Fear Street movie, we'll make three and make them this like, you know, interwe- interwoven story that goes through these three movies and, you know, takes spans over 300 years and, and that kind of thing. So that was that was really neat. Um, and then I did watch Malignant. <laughs> so I don't have much to add to it besides what... Um, was discussed by Corey and you in the first episode. I agree. It is wild. It is unhinged in every aspect from the writing to performances to, you know, the, the horror aspects of it. Uh, yeah, it, it is a wild movie. Um, one that I probably will never watch again. Um, but That's it was, fair. it was interesting and I agree. Yes. It's definitive like basket case vibes to it and everything. Um, oh cool okay yeah yeah. james wan has had the weirdest career like Mm -hmm. he like it's clear that like movies like malignant is where he wants to be right like i mean i don't know i haven't seen a lot of his movies like i actually think saw is like really inventive i it's been a long time since i've seen that movie i don't really know how much i like it or how good it really is and it's obviously like commercialized itself into oblivion but Hmm. you know i think you know, he obviously like parlayed his success into like directing a DC movie and everything like that. And he's had success as a producer and a writer and stuff too. But like, he clearly wants to be in this just like, like bizarre, like off the wall horror. And I think it's probably what suits his talents best. I haven't seen Malignant, but from everything you guys have talked about, like this guy just like, he's just has no, like, no nobody's like tying his hands he's just like here's what's going to happen in this movie and like i think that's kind of what was brilliant about saw right it was like it put you in this very very visceral dramatic situation and left you there and it was sort of 
you know, new and innovative at the time. And I think that that type of thing maybe doesn't work as well anymore. We've seen mm-hmm. so much of it, mm-hmm. but it's just like where he, it's where he belongs. It's like yeah. his, his safe space. Yeah. Well, Malignant, yeah. like you're saying, like it felt very much like a blank check movie. They're like, okay, yeah, you've done I mean, you've done so well for us. Fine, we'll give you X amount of money to just do whatever crazy story you want. James yeah, Wan is, I mean, you know, he's in two thousand four. I, I never would have thought I'd be saying he's like, you know, one of the current kings of horror. But I mean, like him and Mike Flanagan these days, I think are are the two mm-hmm. you know, pinnacle horror directors who are working. And I never like I liked Saw a lot. I remember seeing it. I saw it. I think opening weekend. It had mm-hmm. no idea what I was getting into. Didn't know anything about it. Um, and it's really smart. It's like it's a, very clever. Yeah. yeah, it's you know, it's like it's like a seven. I remember they called it a seven ripoff as soon as it came out but you know it's, no way. it's, not. it's one location like it's totally different he does yeah. a great you know he's um yeah like you said it's really inventive and like there was nothing about it visually or anything at the time that i thought was um you know particularly noteworthy but and so i didn't know what and then dead silence he followed it with dead silence which was not that great uh at all death and sentence so, was awful yeah, Death Sentence was fun. I have to say, I love that. It's long fun. Shot. I remember watching that on on like it was on TV, and I'm like, this movie is so bad. And I had to, and like it was on, and I'm like, I'm going to bed, but I'm like, I'm recording the rest of this because I need to see what happens. <laughs> yeah, it it is fun. It's trashy and it's fun, and like he does mm-hmm. some great like that has that really long take in the parking garage, which I thought was brilliant. But he's really come into his own. I gotta say, like Insidious is one of my favorite supernatural horrors in the last 10, 15 years. And the conjuring is yeah the conjuring movies are the huge best. yeah, and he he he's you know I think after Insidious and certainly with the conjuring and then before you know he did Fast Seven and he did Aquaman I think the conjuring is just an incredibly confident film from like a director who seems like he's been working in that genre his whole life um, and Malignant I think is just like even a step above I don't think it's a better movie by any means I think Conjuring is easily the best film that he's done mm-hmm. um, but. Uh, like you said, blank check movie. I think he has proven what he can do with the horror genre, and he went absolutely nuts on *Malignant*. Yeah. Blank check movies are always uh, and they they so rarely work out, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it is fun. I'm glad you thought it was fun at least, Brantley. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't think I'll ever watch it again. Um, but I at least, you know, I mean, you can see like you know where it's going from the very beginning like there's not you know it, it's it's not wild in the sense that like it goes in surprising directions but just everything about it beyond that is is pretty wild and 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 out there and and i did appreciate that aspect of it where james Wan was just like yeah this is what i want to do i want to make this crazy stuff so <laughs> buckle up and enjoy it kind of um so that was at least entertaining yeah Awesome. Uh, and I think I know what the other ones you've been watching are because uh, yes. I'm, I'm curious to talk about those, but that'll be another time. Yes, yeah, that'll be another time. Okay. Uh, so anyway, uh, well, now we're going to move to install a commissioner. Now, I, I mentioned to Lee, I said, you know, we, we gave Corey the option to be commissioner because he was our guest on the first one. It's, it's something we're going to offer to guests. But Lee said, you know what, I I, I don't know if I should, you know, I'm, no, I'm not the horror guy. Why don't one of you be the commissioner? So I will take on the mantle of commissioner for this episode. Uh, and, uh, you know, if there's any 
debate about whether something is or is not a horror movie, which I mean, it's prestige horror. I mean, everyone or whether or not it's over... prestige. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and and you know, when they're good movies, everyone bends over backwards to say, "Well, it's not really horror, though." You know, so I'll happily jump in and, and be the the final deciding vote on uh, on that. Um, but we rolled our four sided die to figure out the order. The order of the draft is going to go with Lee, Nick, and then myself. Uh, so Lee will have the first pick of the prestige horror draft and let's see rules of the draft um we're gonna do five rounds because there's lots of movies to choose from we're not stuck to the four rounds like we were in the first episode we'll have our uh undrafted free agents um you know the uh what do we call them (laughs) the uh honorable mentions basically that don't get drafted we'll discuss those afterwards and then we'll do our steal and our reach and and all that stuff uh so that's the rules. There's going to be five rounds. It's the snake style draft. So Lee, who is picking first in the first round, will not be picking again until the end of the second round. And I, who am picking last in the first round, will get to go first in the second round. That's how that snake order uh, draft works. So Lee, with the first yeah. pick in the prestige horror draft, you are now on the clock, sir. So this Wait. is tough. This is tough. I'm so sorry. I'm ruining this, but I think can we just really quickly the three of us discuss what we're oh. gonna how we're gonna define not just horror, yes. but no, just prestige. I'm curious what your definition of prestige is. I know that you're the commissioner. You'll be arbitrating this and whatever. But um, are we talking just critically acclaimed movies? Are we talking movies that have been made by critically, you know, renowned directors who may or may not have made a good horror film though? Um, mm. where, where how are we? No, thank you for jumping in, Nick. You're not ruining anything. You're right. We should try to define this. I actually would like to have Lee kick this off because Lee brought up the prestige horror. And so I'm very curious what Lee looks at when he's looking at prestige horror. Yeah, I think three things, and two of which you mentioned. Critically acclaimed, I think, is important. Um, but that can be tricky, right? Because something mm-hmm. cannot do well early and then, you know, gains recognition and vice versa. Um you know, Oscars awards, I think that can play a, a, a factor in just like critically acclaimed, like something can win an Oscar and actually suck and vice versa. Something cannot win an Oscar and, and be great. And then I think, you know, look, we, we spend a ton of time on the, the get your film fix podcast talking about the directors and how important they are and our favorite directors. And just, I think, you know, at least for me, when I when I see a talented director making a horror movie, you can see a clear difference. And to me, that that makes it a prestige film. So I don't know that there's a like a hard and fast definition here that we're looking for. But I think if you can make the argument that this is a great film, period, right, within the horror genre or otherwise, I think that it can qualify as prestige horror. The same you do with, like, prestige comedy, prestige drama, right? Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. prestige drama is a little different, I guess, right? Because that makes you – that sounds stuffy. But (laughs) that's the stuff we talk about on the Get Your Film Fix podcast. There you go. (laughs) Is that kind of what you were thinking, Nick? Or did you have kind of any thoughts that you wanted to to add in the mix there on prestige horror? Yeah, no, I I mean, I think that's the beauty of – and since we have a commissioner, I mean, it all makes – I think if you can – if you can make a compelling argument for something being prestige, I think then that's yeah. really all there is to it. I like keeping it a little bit open-ended here um, so that yeah. I don't know what the pool is really going to be. Like, I don't. Yeah, know it makes it tricky. Yeah, it makes it so, hard yeah. to strategize. Yep, yeah, I, exactly. I'm all for it. 
and I promise okay. I won't interrupt again. So the so the first pick is tough here, and I don't. You guys may disagree, but I think that there's four undeniable movies, which means that I'm only going to get one of them, and you guys can get can get two, um, or at least one of you will get two of them, right? And I don't know. Like I know I I was talking to you guys off air. I know what Nick wants, <laughs> and I want to know if I can trade down. <laughs> Ooh, okay. So we okay. We never we discussed can swap, this before. We can swap so, some picks, uh, right? I can take I can take his first round pick and a later pick <laughs> or something. I get a couple picks from him, and he can take my pick because he oh, I, honestly like I know what he wants, and it's a great movie, and it's he may he may want. <laughs> yeah. So oh boy. So all right I, I think this is a very creative i was not expecting as the commissioner to have to jump in on a topic like this as opposed to <laughs> what is or isn't a prestige horror movie um boy okay so uh, I, i'm gonna come down with the ruling and say no there is no trading picks so and here's why i think it's going to become very complicated and convoluted <laughs> for one to be keeping track of yeah. who has what picks and and what got switched and 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 everything I feel like it's also just going to well. throw off the balance, you know, where, you know, Lee's going to have six picks and then Nick's only going to get four. And yeah. also, I mean, knowing what somebody really likes, like, like we all know what Nick's probably wants for his number one pick, you know, it's kind of like coming in with an advantage in a draft like this, if you can try to leverage that to get more picks. So, yeah, I'm going to come right. down the and die say has, no. The die has spoken. Very well. Okay, yeah. so I, I, all right, so let me... Like I said, I think that there are four undeniable movies that will be the f- top four picks. I could be wrong about this. Again, you guys, I think, have a much broader and in-depth perspective on the horror genre than I do. But I'm going with Alien for my number one pick. Ridley Ooh. Scott's Alien, 1979 film. I Honestly, it, it's it was really hard for me to like say this definitively, but I think it's probably my favorite horror movie. I think it's, of all the movies that I'm hoping to get, it is certainly horror. I don't think there's any denying. I certainly prestige. And it just does so many things well. You know, it capitalizes on something, you know, that maybe arguably we learned from Jaws where it hides the alien for so long and that just creates so much suspense. You know, it's a, it, it's like a haunted house movie, if nothing else. Like this, this ship that they're on is just so confusing for you to follow. And the way Ridley Scott shoots it makes it even more complicated and does so intentionally and then ripley right like this is this is just an iconic iconic character i think you guys talked a lot last week about the final girl and i think ripley goes so far above and beyond that right like this is a true hero in cinema history so you know just those simple things i mean the design of this movie is amazing the xenomorph is so great and scary like for for that time period we're we're watching alien movies now that just look silly right and this this was a monster that was truly scary and they just used within the space so well and the color palette and the music and sound design was just was incredible and you know ridley scott obviously doesn't need any more pats on the back but i think he's worthy of a first first pick first overall pick in this draft nice i i'm gonna be honest i was surprised i oh yeah i want to know what you thought my pick was gonna be 
Well, or maybe you have on. to wait. It, but, it'll yeah. get drafted eventually, but I just that's actually going to throw what I was planning on doing. Oh, a I'm messing bit up your here. strategy. All right. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think we both came in knowing what Nick wanted, but I yeah. thought <laughs> I had you pegged for another uh, movie, so I'm a little surprised that. So that aside from what Nick is going to pick, I, I am at a huge disadvantage. I don't know. I don't have any idea where you guys are going. So my strategy is like, I have to see before I can even make any decisions. But yeah. Yeah, that, that's what I feel like too. I mean, like besides Nick's number one, I, I mean, I have no idea how you guys are coming into this draft and like what your strategy is or anything. So this has already thrown me for a loop. The first. What pick. if he doesn't pick it? What if he like gambles on it and like tries to really mess everything up? Yeah, that I was. Would... Say, I I would have been happy if you picked it. Honestly, like I don't care if it's on my team so long as it gets drafted. Uh see, you, so, just, oh, you, yeah. you just care. You just as long as it, as long as the shining is happy. That's right. Yep. Yeah, that's, a, that's it. Well, I um, think we're we're kind you're of... actually insulted that it wasn't first overall. <laughs> a little, yeah, yeah, just part of it. <laughs> no, um, oh, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. But no, I mean, I think that I? was a nice transition right into it. I mean, Alien okay. is a fantastic movie. I, I 100% agree. I think that's a very worthy number one overall pick. Um, but yeah, I think no need keeping us in suspense, Nick. What are you taking here with the number one? Yeah, no, I should add. I mean, I love Alien. It's a great movie. I did. I have yeah. a list here of twenty movies, just in case. Um, yep. You know, I know some of these are going to get picked. Um, I purposely did not put Alien on there because I knew someone else was going to grab it, and I had too many other choices to choose from. It would have been on the list for sure, but I, I there was no no question in my mind that someone was going to grab that. So yes, my first pick is The Shining. Um, I could talk about it forever. I'm sure this will not be, like I said, the last time this is mentioned on this podcast, so I won't go into too much depth here. But in terms of prestige, I mean, it, you can define prestige in a lot of ways. Um, the film itself was not critically acclaimed when it came out. It was kind of panned. Um, uh, it's obviously since been reevaluated. I think Roger Ebert himself famously reevaluated his stance on that film. Um, so... Uh, you know, and you, Stephen King hates it. Like Stephen King hates yeah, it for yeah. sure, and he has you know obviously subjective reasons that he he has. I I totally understand his reasons for hating it. I love the novel; it's a great novel. It's um, I mean it's it's one of my favorite books. But I mean, also let's be honest. Sorry, Stephen King. I I love what Stephen does as well. But you know, it's a pulp horror novel, and this is Stanley Kubrick. You know, talk about a prestige director. He's not doing. You know, there are plenty of directors who are renowned, who have started their careers in horror because yeah. horror is such an easy genre—not easy, but cheap, um, accessible for for people to do on on like a shoestring budget. Um, so sure, you know, there's like the Sam Raimi's and and Ridley Scotts and um, Francis Ford Coppola. I think started with Dementia 13, if I'm not yep. mistaken. So there there are plenty of examples of that, but. Um, this is an example of Kubrick, who is actually kind of closer to the end of his career, choosing to adapt really what was, I think, considered a pulp horror novel. It's not a bad novel by any means. I love it, but there's, it's not really that deep. It's a pretty surface level, you know, horror story. It's a haunted house book. Um, so I think that in itself makes it a unique choice, and I, certainly like a unique film in the genre as a whole. I mean, this is like he was. I mean, he was the biggest name in the world, choosing to do, you know, and work in a genre that I think probably a lot of people thought was beneath him. Um, and I think he probably thought in a lot of ways was beneath him. And I think that's probably part of the reason he 
wanted to do this. Um, put a stamp on something that in a lot of ways is kind of looked down upon. So, um, And then there's all the reasons that I love the film, which we'll talk about some other time, I'm sure. But that's my well, choice. I, I, two things, real real quickly. I mean, one, just on, on The Shining, like you guys talked a lot last week with, with um, the Friday the 13th genre about like the the movies, which movies had great kills, right? And that that is kind of in particular something that just does not work for me, right? Like it's just something that I'm like, okay, great kills, not great kills. It doesn't matter. That's not going to make or break a movie for me. But The Shining maybe has the best kill like ever when, with Scatman Crothers, right? Like that is just so incredible. So just on the topic that you guys were discussing so much last week, The Shining <laughs> fits and ties with that podcast. But as briefly as possible, Nick, I'm just curious, like, why The Shining for you? Like, where where did that begin? Like, obviously, like, obviously, it's a, an iconic, incredible movie, but you have just taken like an a incredible deep dive into that to that movie, and I'm I'm curious. I have yes, uh, yeah. But that, that's that's I don't want to take up too much time here. But yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, as, no, briefly, no. as briefly as you can, I guess. Is I'm just I'm curious. I'm sure the listeners are curious. Yeah, so I don't know. For context, yes, I'm a very big Shining fan and collector. I have the movie on a bunch of formats. I have, I think, 125 copies of the movie across every home video format, country, language available. Um, that's just for fun. I like collecting stuff, and, and that's just a hobby. But I love the movie, and obviously my love of the movie predates my collecting of the movie. Um, where did it start? I mean, I don't... The first time I saw the movie, I think I was 12, um... Maybe no, nah, maybe I was like fourteen. I think I was actually maybe a freshman in high school. Uh, we were talking about being in high school earlier. That's irrelevant here, but <laughs> I think I was a freshman when I first saw it, and um, was already really big into the horror genre. Um, and uh, but was like completely blown away by the movie. I mean, I think during the film itself, I was completely engrossed and enthralled and just blown away by you know even without knowing much about filmmaking, just like the sense of scale in that film, I right. could tell it was like something, you know, yeah, important. For sure. Um, but it, it like, and I didn't realize at the time, but it really got under my skin. And like, I, I had nightmares that night, which is something that never happens. Oof. And yeah. like, I couldn't stop thinking about it the next day. And then it became this whole obsession. And, um, and, but it wasn't really until after college that I started like studying it. Um, came across some blogs. that was like right around the time, um, 2010, so a couple years before Room 237 came out, the documentary, um, and I was reading a little bit about the film, and I just started watching it over and over and over and over again, and um, uh, there's just so many takes on that film, more so than any other movie that I've ever found. Um, there are so many readings of that movie about what Kubrick was trying to say, what he did say, there are arguments to be made about everything, and just about, um, you know, there are essays written about the art direction, there are essays written about... Um, you know what he changed from Stephen King's novel and why there are, you know there's so many theories and I'll, I can get into some of them another time but just that alone I think the idea of really I'll put it this way there's a parallel for me between the hedge maze and the movie itself I kind of dive into that movie and start studying it and go into one rabbit hole and then another yeah. and I feel like I'm trapped in the maze of that film forever and I'll never I'm never going to have, like, one definitive, like, reading of the film. And I the, remember. It's the just... idea that that's intentional from Kubrick, the likelihood that that's intentional from Kubrick makes it all the more kind of incredible. 
Yeah, like that's the, and two thirty seven really did this thing a disservice. I two thirty seven room two thirty seven great film. It's a great documentary. It's super entertaining. It's really fun. They clearly picked some of the most outlandish theories for entertainment value, um, mm. and not necessarily the best or most compelling. Or I think, you know, um, anyway, I it's it's a fun fun film, fun documentary, but. Um, I think it discredits a lot of people who really do study that movie, a lot of people who've written. I mean, Bill Blakemore, who worked for ABC News, um, he was a correspondent. He's, I think, one of the first people to write about the movie on any level other than, you know, here's a horror movie, let me review it. He, he, he I think, was the first one who proposed like the Native American genocide theory, and he did it just like a year after it came out. I think he wrote this, this article, um, and he's been talking about it ever since. And he's in the movie Room 237, but he's like overshadowed by some of the more outlandish theories like Kubrick faked the moon landing and this was his confession for it blah 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 Um, but well I I think that documentary Room 237 is not as much about The Shining as it is about what it's what fandom obsession can be like yes if that makes sense it's not so much like The Shining as it is that aspect of it and I think that's probably why he chose some of those more outlandish theories to to kind of highlight in it yeah, I 100% agree with that. I think that's absolutely true. And I think, um, you know, like Lee just said, I mean, I think there are people who will tell you there's no way that Kubrick was trying to do anything other than make just a good horror film. Um, and then there are people who will say, like, I don't really think he ever had any interest in adapting a horror book at all. I think he had his own agenda in mind, and that book just happened to be a good vehicle for him to make whatever it was that he was going to make at the time and it just wound up being this movie The Shining which is just again incredible and and so unlike the book and the book again I love it good job Stephen but like the movie is just on a whole other level for me um, yeah it's I, I think it's so interesting like movies that really on this we talked about this we, we reviewed last night we reviewed Mulholland Drive um, 20th anniversary of that movie um, which is a movie that I love I've seen many times I've read a ton about Jeremy Chapin hadn't seen it in a long time and it's a movie that really like this it's a separate kind of movie and the shining fits into that category where it's a movie that you can study it's like i think really maybe it's meant most for that that you get the most out of it by kind of digging deep and exploring these rabbit holes and getting caught in one you know in one direction and then going down that path and then going in another path and i think that's interesting it doesn't i think there are you know limited examples like the shining where it can be a great movie that you can enjoy watching every time and also that but it is a separate type of movie that you can just study and it takes kind of you know brilliant directors to be able to do that successfully i totally agree um 100 agree with that and i will say one more thing about the movie which is that um just as a horror film um you know, we haven't really discussed like how you define horror as a genre or you know a film genre in particular um, or a literary genre, whatever. We haven't really talked about those parameters, but I mean, I think personally at its core, horror is something that elicits some sort of unpleasant reaction yeah. in somebody. So whether that's just like disgust because it's a gross score, you know, whatever movie, or if it's like legitimate fear or being startled or just whatever, whatever that may be, I think for me, The Shining completely encapsulates all of that because it got so far under my skin that 
I don't think that I'm studying the movie to, to you know, I'm, I have no illusions that Kubrick had, like, one specific message he was trying to hide under the surface of The Shining. I think I'm studying this movie because it had such an effect on me the first time I saw it that I'm just going to spend, like, the rest of my life trying to figure out exactly what it was that disturbed me so much about this film that I couldn't stop mm-hmm. thinking about it. Because I genuinely, to this day, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, on its surface, it's not a scary movie. It's, again, brightly lit wide-angle lenses every scare in the movie traditional scare is telegraphed in advance with music and like a zoom in on someone's face before you even see what they're looking at it's not a conventionally scary movie and yet i found it to be the most terrifying movie i've ever seen like why is that and i've been reading about that ever since i love that yeah well put thanks speaking of brightly lit horror that's going to lead right into my first pick Hmm. of the first round here the third of the first round the the one I thought uh, Lee was going to take with his first round pick, and that is Steven Spielberg's Jaws. Okay, so you're the commissioner. I was not sure that this was horror. I wasn't sure this class oh, was horror. It made people around the world scared of a major element on Earth for years. I 100% <laughs> would have taken this. Like, <laughs> like no question about it. I, I, I mean, I think this is a thriller like start to finish and look i i can fine i i think it wasn't even on my list because i don't classify it as a horror i i know that it it has been classified as that um like the fact that you got this as the third pick is just asinine like that (laughs) i I so i was so surprised when you said alien i mean i agree alien is phenomenal but i was like why didn't Lee take Jaws here? I, I, I mean, I, I would. I was for really sure. surprised. Yeah. Oh, okay. Let's I mean, talk you should about have it done though. it. And see, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I, I love Jaws. I, I think it is an unbelievable movie. I honestly didn't prepare much for it because I thought you were going to take it. <laughs> it's been a little bit since I watched it, but I mean, it is much like uh, Nick was just saying. You know, a lot of that is shot just in broad daylight it's you know during the day there's a couple that happen at night and every uh kills that happen at night but so much of that is just like on a bright sunny day and you know it's it's less about fear of sharks i think for me as it is like um everything can be going like wonderful for you in your life and then this just event happens that you have no control over that can come in and just ruin it Right, it ruins your 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 home life and your job for this new job uh, Brody just took, and you know this unstoppable killing machine has just showed up and is terrorizing the townsfolk. It, you know it's killing people, um, but like shot during the day, not even showing much of the the actual shark until you get to the end. I mean, famously because they had so many issues with it. I mean, it you think like that it shouldn't be as scary and terrifying as it is. And yet it just works on so many different levels. I mean, it's, it's an unbelievably well-written movie. It's incredibly well-made by Spielberg. Uh, and the acting is phenomenal. It's just like so unbelievably well put together. I, I, I'm really curious, actually, Lee, to hear you talk about it more because so, I was so expecting you to have this one. Yeah, it's a th- I mean, top three movie all time for me, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, w- one of my favorites all time. I-, I think it's more a horror movie in 1975 than it is now, if that sure. makes sense. Um, whereas something like Alien, I think this just like undeniably has been a horror movie for you know the last 40 years, and the same with The Shining. I think, I think that. There are certainly scary moments. There is certainly suspense. 
I, thir- I, I think it was certainly built in many ways as a horror movie. So it works fine. Um, it's just not something that comes to mind for me when I'm talk when I'm thinking about horror movies. But look, like this this movie, I don't think everybody loves Jaws, right? It's like the it's it's sort of the movie that you learn about from your dad because it's on TV and it's like it's PG and it's like yeah. it's every kid has seen it from the age of five, and you know it's the first blockbuster. All the all the all the stuff that goes that like is is in the history books about it and. That in many ways, I don't think it totally does, but in in some ways can overshadow how influential this movie is in in every genre, in the thriller genre, in in the horror genre, in directing, in acting. Like it's just in you know in writing. Like the the themes of this of this movie have been tried over and over and over again, and I just think it's you know Spielberg's you know quote unquote first first movie not really but and it's his best movie and he's one of the best directors of all time so i I don't know i i didn't i don't have i'm not prepped to talk about jaws like i did i just sound like a gushing like a kid because it's not something i considered for the list but um yeah i'm glad it's here i'm glad we got i will take any chance to talk about jaws nice uh nick anything you want to add to jaws there before we move to the second round um, no, except for that, I, I, I second. Not that I don't think it's a horror movie. I do. I just didn't think either of you was going to consider it a horror movie. Again, I am shocked that it was Uh-oh. picked. Um, I'm glad it was picked. I thought about picking it myself, and I, I didn't put it on my list because I, I kind of had the same feeling I think Lee was having, which was, you know, I view it as a suspense film. But there's undeniably, mm. obviously, there's a ton of horror elements in it, um, and it's a masterpiece. So, you know, and I was just reading about it. And I can't remember where about uh, Steven Spielberg's, you know, he, early in his career, his um, I guess I think he kept it to himself, but like apparently he was like a nervous wreck the entire time he was making that movie. He was like I'm absolutely sure. sure he was going to be making a disaster. It was going to fail. It, it was everybody fall leaves that out, right? Like it was a disaster production, went way over budget, way over way over the shoot schedule. Richard Dreyfuss famously is like this movie f- freaking sucks. Like, <laughs> right? Like it, it's <laughs> yeah. it's like well documented, but like Spielberg was what 27 or something when he made that movie. Like imagine yourself in that situation. The guy was probably having panic attacks every night with the money that he was entrusted to and this production falling apart like Mm -hmm. we think of him as just this like you know like big shot icon of hollywood that like nothing can nobody can tell him what to do but that was not the case then it's crazy also interestingly enough a movie an amazing masterpiece movie from an iconic director that is a pretty big departure from the book yeah yeah i've never read the book but it's um, i mean i shouldn't say it's it's not a huge departure, but like there is some there is some extraneous stuff in the book that is just like nowhere to be found in the movie. That like there's a relationship between Brody's wife and and Hooper that like really takes up a large por- per- portion of the story. Hooper dies in the book, <laughs> and there's not see. even a shark in the book. What a weird thing! It's just a <laughs> yeah, not even a shark. Yeah, they just wrote that into the film. It was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh. Uh. 
Well, I'm very curious to see where you guys are going here because neither of you thought of Jaws, and I, I thought that yeah, I'm I'm very curious where you it guys gives me are a little more confidence this, with some of my other picks though, which is good because I, there's some that I know that are that are for me that I'm not I'm, I can wait on because I don't think you guys will take them, which is good. Okay, okay. But, well, I'm glad I'm commissioner because I mean it, maybe if one of you guys were commissioner, you told me I couldn't draft. <laughs> that's Jaws true. Yeah, you should have left time. me as commissioner. I would have vetoed it. <laughs> hey, you said no. You, you said that's you true. For it. Yeah. All right. Um, gosh, well, now I'm really thinking here what I want because I, I really have no idea where you guys are going with this. And there's things I both want for myself personally, but that normally I feel like I can pick that up late in the ra- in the in the draft. But now I don't know based on what what you guys uh, where you guys are going to go here. But um, I am going to take with the first pick of the second draft. I'm going to take The Exorcist ah, with, yeah, 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 yeah. Great uh, choice. Ad- Great choice. Thank you. Admittedly, I have not seen this in a while, so it's been a little bit. Um, but, I mean, along the same lines as Jaws, I mean, just a master filmmaker making, I mean, some people might say French Connection is better, but I'd say making his best film. Um even though William Friedkin himself has kind of come out and said, like, it's not actually a horror movie. And it's like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what you The about? Exorcist is definitely a, a horror movie. Um, it, you know, it's... Look, I don't really believe in su- a lot of supernatural stuff and, like, demons and possession and stuff. But, like, just an absolutely terrifying idea to think of, like losing your child in some way you know if we're thinking of this as like a metaphor for losing your child um to whatever that might be right let's use it as an example for like drugs maybe right you've just lost this child that you know you raised and who you love so much and they're just treating you like shit and awful and you know everything um because they've just lost who they are now you know they're using obvious demon possession in the movie um but i mean just a fantastic fantastic movie um i feel like again i'm just gushing here and not really getting into it i (laughs) part of me is thinking we have a five round draft and we've already been going for a little bit so i want to kind of move a little quick yeah we can uh, like it's an interesting theory about the like the the metaphor Bradley. but like honestly the exorcist is like the perfect good versus evil right like this is what the horror genre is based on and Mm -hmm. It's nuts. Like, this is, like, I don't know what Friedkin's talking about. What does he know? Like, it, this is a horror movie. Come on. Like, this is a horror yeah. movie, and it got nominated for 10 Oscars. It won mm-hmm. two. It nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, three acting awards, screenplay. I think it won. Like, that's incredible. Cinematography in this movie is incredible. Like, this is this is an iconically good movie, and it's it's scary as hell. Like, yes. Like, we want to talk about, like, this movie, like, it little by little condenses down into this one room that is essentially hell where they're fighting this demon. I mean, that that is like the horror genre in a nutshell. And this movie does it like so masterfully. Yeah, and the tension of it is just so wild because, you know, they, they can't rely really on action very much. It's just this back and forth really between the evil inside of uh, Reagan, Reagan and then the, between the priests who are basically just talking you know and yet it's so suspenseful and so scary and you know what this didn't get nominated for is best makeup 
somehow. Which is wild. I don't That's know. I mean, surprising. I didn't. Was that a idea. was that a Oscar category back then? It must have been, right? In oh, you know what? That's that's a good point. Actually, I have no um, idea. I'm trying to look real quick. Maybe it wasn't, but. Um. Well, and and part of my, I will say a little bit of my resi- uh, hesitancy to draft this was because it did not get. I mean, it got nominated for a bunch of Oscars, but it did not get like universal critical acclaim when it came out either. Like there was a plenty of bad reviews for this in major, you know, people were ready for stuff publications. Like this. Yeah. yeah, I think it. I think it probably helped that by the time award season rolled around, it probably had it had been so successful. You know, had made so much money, and it was, I think already maybe getting a little bit of a reevaluation from some of the critics who gave it negative reviews. Like um, I'd listened to the Unspooled podcast, which did The Exorcist um, uh, a little bit ago, and they're saying that like Time Magazine called it vile. The New York Times called it like practically impossible to sit through. Like they, it got some like horrible reviews from major publications, and you know it's it's sort of wild to me. But I was had a little hesitancy because we talked about prestige and like the critical acclaim and how that's a little tricky, you know? Because there's there's one horror movie I would love to draft, but I didn't even put it on my list because it was. It got like destroyed when it first came out, and it took like five to ten years before it to gain its critical acclaim. So I, I kind of had left that off the board. But anyway, I'm digressing onto another movie. So uh, anyway, Nick, I don't know if you want to jump in on The Exorcist or if you want to move right on to your um, pick in the second round. Uh, yeah, no, I don't have anything to add to The Exorcist. Uh, it's been. I don't know. I don't think I've seen it since high school. I, I love the film's masterpiece, of course. Um, and uh, yeah, I knew it was going to get picked, but actually, I'm, I'm totally so. I'm surprised it got picked this early. I'm, you know, it's a oh, great it would have been my it would have been my next pick. It definitely would have been my next pick. Yeah. Nice. I mean, yeah, no, I'm, I'm. It obviously deserves it. I'm just. I don't know why. I, there's some other movies that I, I have. I'm surprised haven't been picked already. And with that in mind. Um, my list is already dwindling a little bit, and I, uh, there's two that I really want to get on my team. One of them I'm pretty confident is still going to be available when I come back around. The other one I'm almost positive will not be. So I'm going to go with Silence of the Lambs for my next choice. Oh, mother. <laughs> so, yeah, see, I, I thought you guys were going to think that was a thriller, and I was going to pick that up later, and that's why well, I Well, I do think it's a thriller. Um, I just know some... Like, I personally am not, you know... Not that I wouldn't consider it a horror film, but like it, it doesn't. For me, it's a, it's a it's a suspense thriller, and it's, it's yeah. a brilliant suspense thriller. But for yeah. sure, people consider that a horror film. I mean, it's in horror books. It's written about you know in yeah. that context, um, and you know there are, undeniably there are horror elements to it. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, think if, it's you, if you want to veto it, you can. No, 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 no. no I, you can't I, veto that if you pick Jaws. No way. Yeah. No. Uh, no. And enough. I wouldn't. I mean, <laughs> I, I was saying. God damn it, because I wanted to draft it, and I thought I was going to get it in, like, at least the third. I thought I'd be able to pick it up next round because I, I thought you nah. guys would think it was a thriller. I, I absolutely think it's both a crime thriller and a horror movie. I think it's it's much like Alien is sci-fi and horror. This, I think, can cross those genres as well. And, I mean, look, it won the best novel from the horror writers of America, and when the movie came out, the Fangoria's Chainsaw Awards gave it, like, all the major <laughs> awards uh, as well for, you know, best horror film and best actor and actress and just, like... The, Screw the its Academy five Awards. Oscars, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. So, yeah. I mean, you know, people within the horror industry do consider it a horror movie, and 
you know, you, you talk about horror being something that elicits uh, a reaction. I mean, you know, seeing those two, you know, corrections officers, one with his face cut off and the other with like flayed open and hung from the oh, yeah. rafters at the prison cell. I mean, you know, it's pretty, that's pretty illicit. And I thought I'd actually have to make the case for this when I drafted it. So I was going to be like, instead you, know, you had to make Senate, the case for Jaws. Yeah. I know. I, I was going to say, you know, I'm sure the Senator's daughter who's stuck at the bottom of a well considers it a horror movie. <laughs> and those two right. correction officers consider well themselves to be in a horror movie uh, well based on what happens to them. But anyway, I'll let you talk about it more, Nick, because it's, it's your pick. I really don't have that much to add. I think that, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because horror doesn't get much recognition. Um, so to see a film, you know, that one best picture, um, you know, I, I'm curious if, if it had not been that well recognized, if it hadn't been recognized by the Academy, um, I, I almost wonder if it would be considered hard, like if people would be quicker to label it as a horror film. Um, yeah. I just wonder if it like, you know, because of its legitimacy as like, you know, a critically acclaimed masterpiece of cinema, um, if that, you know, almost takes away from its horror elements in, in some respect. But, um, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's, there's not much that can be said that hasn't been said already. I think it's incredible because it's such like a, it's so cinematic, like almost to a fault at some time. Like, like the guy flayed open on that, that whole set of that like prison cell in the middle of that building, like <laughs> that whole set is just so ridiculous and outlandish and, but incredible. And, and that's what makes it, I know it's like, I think an incredible, incredible film. It's like my belief can be suspended right away because of how mm-hmm. well Jonathan Demme makes that movie and how such an underrated director I think Jonathan Demme is yeah he yeah he I mean obviously has stopped making sense I'm a huge Talking Heads fan I think it's the best concert film ever made I think this is one of the best thrillers of all time um he's yeah just and it's understated in, in other parts you know like the ending is not this big blown up the ending is just kind of yeah, but like amazing fact, suspense like such a brilliant choice to do the way that that last scene is shot Oh, yeah, absolutely, yes, yeah. It's, yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know what else I can say about it. It's just there's, it's way, way, way out there in some scenes in terms of, like, you know, how grandiose those that set design is. And then in other scenes, it's incredibly understated. Um, and, you know, and I think Anthony Hopkins' performance, which is brilliant, incredible, and he deserved all the recognition he got for it, is also kind of outlandish. <laughs> I mean, and and that's and it's so theatrical. His his performance in that film is so theatrical, um, and yet it works somehow. It all comes together, and the movie is just just absolutely brilliant. So, yeah. And the the other thing I'll point out, I think, is it's the way that the both the novel and the book were um, marketed that make I feel like pushes us into the idea that it's more a thriller than a horror movie because. You know, at the time in the late 80s, early 90s, I mean, unless you were Stephen King or Dean Koontz or Peter Straub or like R.L. Stein, like the big names, like horror was like dead in the literary world. And they were like intentionally pushing and publishing books as 
oh, this isn't horror. This is a thriller, you know, and especially when Silence of the Lambs came out and was like selling like hotcakes. Suddenly, you know, guys, people were rewriting their drafts to incorporate serial killers and it was a crime thriller and it was marketed as a thriller and it wasn't a horror because horror became like a dirty word in the early to mid 90s, the late 80s, early 90s. And when they were making the movie, Fangoria, the magazine wanted to cover it during the production run. And the studio was like, well, we don't want you to cover it because then people will think it's a horror movie and we don't want it to be marketed like a horror movie. They marketed the movie specifically as a thriller as well because of the connotation of it being considered a horror movie, even though I think it definitely is. So anyway, that was the only other things I wanted to add about it was just that the, both the book and the, the movie were intentionally pushed into the thriller genre for marketing reasons. Well, yeah, that's super, that's super important context. I didn't even know that about Fangoria. That's really interesting. Yeah, I think. Yeah. If I'm remembering correctly, I mean, you know, it's been a while since I'd I'd read about that, but I I remember that vaguely in the back of my head, so, yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It doesn't surprise me in the least, but, yeah. Uh, All right, Lee. I got two picks, right? You get back to back. This gets tricky for me. So the four movies I mentioned that I think were the Undeniable Four have been picked, Alien, The Exorcist, The Shining, and Silence of the Lambs. It gets tricky for me here, too, because... this in terms of my rankings like i have what i'd pick next but i don't know that strategically it necessarily makes sense because i don't know that they're ones that are kind of towards the top of you guys's lists but i'm trying to figure out what i should do here i think i'm going to take get out with my next pick my second pick um (laughs) jordan peele's uh debut I just think it like this was the kind of the dawn of a new era in in the mm. horror genre, right? Like obviously there's been a ton of commentary in the horror genre for years and this started this com- this commented on present day, right? This is things we're that we are experiencing and it wasn't shy about it. It was very clearly trying to say something and I think for that reason I didn't love it the first time I saw it, but I I think this is just a really smart movie. Uh, and I've come around on it quite a bit. Kaluuya is obviously great, and I think Allison Williams' performance is really great in this movie, which she's good in it. Yeah, kind of goes yeah. like a little forgotten, and um, you know, I think I think that this this is, this represents like kind of the thing I like about the horror genre, where not only does it have something to say, but it's not afraid to like be funny. It's not afraid to like do all these different things with your emotions it's not necessarily just about like how can we scare you right it's really about how can we unsettle you how can we make you think a little bit how can we scare you and about the ideas we're discussing not just with what's on screen and that's brilliant i think that that's you know really has set the stage for a lot of movies that have you know, followed, and I think we'll continue to be that way for for a while now. I think this is kind of the style of horror movie we're going to see moving forward, at least for in the prestige category. Nice. Now, I ah, boy, I've been so bummed. You two took these <laughs> other two movies. I knew when I t- drafted those ones that I was risking missing out on some of these, and and uh, yeah, it's certainly coming back to bite me here with uh, with that. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, Get Out's one of my favorite movies of all of the 2010s, um, period. 
Um, it is phenomenal. I, I think it's one of the movies that sort of ushered in this wave of criticism that discusses horror as quote unquote elevated or quote unquote prestige mm-hmm. horror, you know, because really that term prestige horror has only really been around the past five or six years. Right. Um, but you know, this is right around that wave. And, um, obviously, uh, uh, did it get, just get nominated or did it win the Oscar? For no, well, it got nominated for best picture. Nominated. A, a oh, lot of art. Yes. I mean, that was a, so, I mean, that was a year that that got nominated. Lady Bird, Dunkirk, Phantom Thread all got nominated yeah. in Shape of Water won. So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the other genre movie won yeah. that year. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but did it win screenplay? I, it might have actually. Did um, he win director? Okay. No, he didn't. No, um, no, but I, I, I don't know. I feel like I can't remember either. I gotta look that up. Yeah, I'm gonna let Lee look it up here since it. Uh, he's uh, so it, doing yeah. One it won screenplay. Um, okay. It did. Yeah. It Jordan Peele got nominated. Kalia got nominated, and it got nominated for best picture. Okay, excellent. I think all well deserved, uh, even in you know uh, a pretty dang good year. But yeah, um, Guillermo del Toro won best director, and be- and Shape of Water won best picture. I mean that like. Yep. Oh, let's not get into that. That's what the Get Your Film Fix podcast is for. <laughs> uh, Gripe yeah, about I, that I, BS. I don't know much more to, to add. I 100% agree, and I'm yeah, more just kicking myself that uh, I've now missed out on Sounds of the Lambs. <laughs> so you go ahead and pick if you're your right, first so pick of the third round. The, so it's, again, I, this is not something I'm worried about you guys taking, but I, I want it, so I'm taking it. Shutter Island. Um, uh-huh. which is a movie I love. I think it's a polarizing movie. Um, this was something maybe I was concerned that could get vetoed in terms of horror, but since Ugh. Jaws has been on the list, I'm not as concerned anymore, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Commissioner might step in. I think it's a psychological uh. horror movie. I think this is the type of horror movie that kind of interests me most. Like, you get in the psyche of these people, and, like, that's the scary thing, what people are capable of what people mm-hmm. think they've done, what they haven't done. And I think, like, this movie also just has, like, classic scares. This is a, you know, massive director in Scorsese's take on the horror genre. And it's, if he's doing it, it's never going to be, I think, classic horror. But I think he's going to bring elements of the genre in and utilize his strengths surrounding it. And that's what works. I think this is a smart script. Um, it might, I, I, I'll, I'll take the flaws, right? I know there are some, and... I think there's holes, but I think this is a top two or three performance from DiCaprio. I I think that this movie's got an amazing score, an amazing look, a mood. I think it works really well. I've loved it since the first time I saw it. Um, and I, I think it's a horror movie. I think that this is this is scary in many ways, just like that I've dis- discussed. Like I think the idea that like you can not realize that you've destroyed your own life and like are living kind of in another world is kind of scary the fact that that's exists and this this is a period piece but it obviously is something that still is relevant you know lee shutter island came up in the first episode in the trivia at the end i don't know i remember and and Corey went to bat for me man he said it's psychological horror he said, you know, he's like, did Leo ever do another horror? And then it's like, maybe Shutter Island. And it was sort of, eh. 
But you know what? I am a, a merciful commissioner. Yes. I'm going to let it go through. You're not you know. Roger Goodell. No. I'm honestly surprised, though, that that would be on your list, but not not Jaws, because I would so think of Jaws more as a horror movie than Shutter Island. Yeah, look, but... I, I, you know, since we've talked about it, like, you're right, but like I said before, I think Jaws was a horror movie when it came out, but just less so now, and I think that mm. the eeriness and the suspense and the mood of Shutter Island is definitely more within the horror genre. Nice. No, I agree. I'm going to let it go. Like, look, I've always said I don't really like a ton of gatekeeping around horror, to be honest with you. I think it's a wide umbrella and a lot of stuff can fit under it. Oh, so, so you're a good commissioner to have. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So <laughs> welcome to the horror club, Shutter Island. <laughs> um, Nick, you're up with the second pick of the third round. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I, I did indeed get what I was hoping to get on this round. Um, I'm picking Ooh. the... The Innocents. The oh, God damn it. Really? I was I'm... like, nobody's going to take this. I'll take this last. No shit. I was I thinking I'll pick shocked. that up on the fourth or fifth, too. I didn't oh. think anyone was going to pick it. For I really thought sake. I was going to be the only one. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm even happier with my pick then. Sorry, guys. Oh, I don't oh, even no. want to be on the pod anymore. Jeez. Like, I honestly, <laughs> the only reason I came on was to get that and talk about that. I thought I was going to, wow. like, blow everybody's minds. Wow. I'm, I, well, first of all, I'm super flattered that everyone pick that same thing that says wow well, i mean yeah I, that's brantley incredible. that was our first just effing watch it on the get your yeah. Fix podcast remember and we all three of us were blown away we're we like loved how did it. we never uh, seen this i can't believe this i just took phenomenal. shutter island before that oh god <laughs> damn it yeah here i have to cross it off my list i of, uh, cannot are... believe i am <sighs> i am genuinely like obviously i know it's a it's a fantastic movie but i'm i'm it's one of those movies that I think just gets overlooked and I'm so surprised. Yeah, it's great to talk about. Nobody it. knows nobody knows about this movie. Like Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I saw so yeah, well I mean let's talk it's first of all, I think it's the most gorgeous example of black and white cinematography like ever. It's it's I saw Beautiful. a thirty five millimeter screening of it at the Museum of the Moving Image a few years ago and it was the best theater going experience I've ever seen. It was like mind blowingly beautiful. Um and it also just in terms of my I think taste and horror. I, I find that I'm the most scared, um, and also just plain enjoy um, supernatural horror, ghost stories, um, like gothic haunted house stories in particular, and uh, and psychological horror um, the most. And I mean, this is this is gothic ghost story, psychological horror. Um, and obviously, you can view it under a bunch of different lenses. And I just, I you know whether she's insane, whether this is really a, a haunting, whatever. I think it's terrifying both ways. It's just, it's an incredible movie. Um, and just like amazing, amazing child performances in this movie. Mm-hmm. Is it, oh, what yeah. is it? Uh, Martin, Martin Stevens or Martin Steven is the kid that plays miles in that. They like, that is a, like a top three child performance that I've ever seen. In, and incredible it's so good and there's some weird stuff going on with the kids in that movie and the relationships and stuff but you know we'll, you guys we can talk about it another time but like <laughs> that that performance is so good that like it's just weird that this movie is not talked about like like top top child performances like amazing cinematography like great ghost story really well directed deborah kerr is great in it like it's 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 just a weird that this movie has fallen under the radar i should have known like i i was like nobody's gonna pick this thinking like i'm usually on a podcast with jeremy and chapin who would have forgotten this movie although i know jeremy loves this movie too but i'm like i can just save this i'll pick this last and it'll be like a great way to cap the (laughs) cap the pod and i should have known who i was on with but yeah 
No, I'm I am shocked. It was it's my number two pick actually, but I I, I was like no one's gonna pick it. I'll just pick Signs of the Lambs first. Um, but I'm very wow. surprised. Did you? So they remade this <sighs> with Mackenzie Davis. Did either of you guys see that? Oh, last like, year, last, right? last oh. year, right? Yeah, yeah. They I did. forget Wait, what it's is called. It still- it, it, it was oh, supposed to be terrible. Ask, it? It was yeah, I heard to... it's awful. Yeah. Um, really? What's it called? Like, I like it's McKenzie not called Davis. The Innocence. It's called. It's not, uh, I can't remember exactly what it's called. The it's Turning. Called, the Turning. It's called The Turning. The yeah. Turning? Yes. Yeah. Because it's it's definitely not the first. I mean, The Innocence. I don't even think it's the first adaptation of The Turning. The Turn of the Screw. Um, Thirty five on Metacritic. Yeah. It's just it was a disaster. But I remember watching the trailer wow. for The Turning. I'm like, I think this is a remake of The Innocence, and sure enough, it was. I haven't actually seen also. Um, haunting of Bly manor on netflix so i, I can't, oh, can't I speak to that but i know that's based on henry james works and i think Bly manor is you know the innocence um that's i believe the house that that's and so i'm very very curious to see that film obviously i mean that series i love mike flanagan and i love haunting of hill house i thought it was a master yeah. you know just a master work i can't I think believe this the best i'm so he's done. i'm so aggravated now like i'm oh. sorry i'm so sorry <laughs> same here i and i had the exact same thought process i'll pick this up in the fourth or fifth and it'll be a great little end end of the draft i love this know, though like this this is what makes this this like idea for the pod so exciting guys like that yeah like granted we get to talk about the innocence which is great like this is a movie that people should seek out and see but the like the fact that it just caused like this massive uproar and like frustration <laughs> because we strategized poorly I think that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I almost, you probably saw me. I almost pulled my headphones off. Like you gotta be. God. Oh, I threw my pen down. I was ready to leave. I honestly, I don't know. I wow, just like I'm just, just fill in the rest of my picks. <laughs> I'm shocked. This is great. Yeah, I don't have much more to add to to uh, you know, but I just can't believe three of these last four picks were all things i really wanted and now are are gone and i'm really almost kicking myself with my first two picks even though they're both great the same films, page. Right? this is this is in some ways this is much better yeah. if we each had our I, picks and it was this is great yeah well considering how wi- how big the the like the, how many options we have if we've all been kind of um that's true going in the same direction all right yeah. Bradley. okay wow. this is an important um, two picks for you i know i gotta think here because there's this is where I would have picked a bunch of the stuff you guys already did, and now I gotta figure out what I'm gonna be taking instead. Um, <sighs> okay, um, I'm gonna take this. No, hang on. All right. I'm really, I'm honestly flustered here because I get back to backs, but you know, there's multiple things I want. And I don't want to lose them now because I. Wow, okay. All right, I am going to take... Motherfucker, okay. I'm going to take Psycho, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, with the last pick of the third round. Um, I, I Look, you know, Rebecca won Best Picture that he also made. Psycho has always been my favorite Hitchcock. I know that's, like, very basic. Um, well, it's interesting, Brantley. I, so this wasn't going to make my list. I haven't seen Psycho in a long time, but Chapin watched it recently and mm-hmm. was not kind to it. Actually thought it was really? a pretty flawed movie. Um, oh, wow. he, he thought Anthony Perkins was, was, like, really great and, like, acting well beyond his, like, the times and outacting everybody but aside from that he thought it was not actually a great movie Hmm. so i was sort of taking that 
and I was like, well, I'm just I'll put Psycho down if I have to take it. And you're saying it's mm-hmm. one of your favorite Hitchcock movies, so it's that's interesting. Which I, yeah. you're in the majority for sure, but. <laughs> Well, I, like I said, though, I also know that that's very basic. That's like, you know, I mean, among horror fans, of course, Psycho is almost his most, you know, horror of his films. You know, North by Northwest, Rear Window, these are far more like suspense films, you know, things mm-hmm. like, like that. Um, but, I mean, it just, you know, it pulling the, the, the curveball there of establishing a character only to kill her off, which has then been aped by so many others like you know your screams that have come after it you know establishing these new tropes within the horror genre um uh, arguably being the first slasher i know there's a lot of debate and you know is it really quote unquote a a slasher you know kind of uh, thing um but i agree with chapin norman bates is uh the performance by anthony perkins excuse me as norman bates is phenomenal I, i think it's amazing and actually, I've been watching the other Psycho movies. I never watched any of the sequels, but I watched them um, through the third one uh, recently, uh, within the like earlier this year, and was blown away with how good two was. I had no really? idea two was going to be as good as it was because, and I'm sure this had a lot to do with my you know my own perceptions going in. Just like, oh, they're cheapo sequels, which to be fair, the third one's not good. Um, it's also the one that has Patience Cleveland, who is a member of the founding family of the archive that I work at. So I like transcribe her diaries and stuff. So it's really interesting <laughs> <That's> <laughs> that she's that she's in that one. Um, and I've yet to watch the fourth one, although I heard the fourth one's good. But that's McGarris. I think McGarris did the fourth one. McGarris, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but the look, I don't know what else to say about Psycho that hasn't been said, and I feel like I've been really bad about talking about the movies I picked. And I think that's because I've been thrown off a little bit in terms ha. of what I'm taking here. Um, like, I was planning on taking Silence of the Lambs in the second round. And, you know, so anyway. Um, yeah, I, I don't have much more to add to it. And we can keep moving here, really. But, yes, I'm going to take Psycho with my last pick of the third round. Any of you guys want to add anything to that before I try to figure out what I'm going to take next? No. I, I want to see it again. I especially like I, obviously it's a iconic movie, and I've just been curious to watch it again since Chapin sort of panned it. Um, yeah. And you know I had an experience with Hitchcock with Vertigo, not recently, relatively recently, where I thought that that was not really as great as I remembered. So it's like it's mm-hmm. weird, kind of going back to some of these you know iconic Hitchcock films and you know finding getting a different perspective on them. All right. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to slow us down here. I'm still trying to think what I'm going to take here. Um, I love that we've. I love that we've just like thrown Brantley like so off the game. <laughs> I know. I know. This is. You know, I like my. This is like he's going to like we... take Tim Tebow in the in the first round. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> when we did Friday the Thirteenth, it pretty much shaked out pretty close to what I thought. I mean, there was a little bit of curveballs, but those ended up working out in my favor and these have all worked out against me. Yeah, you got cocky. I know. All right, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm finally going to take a more modern um, horror movie um, and I'm going to go with my heart. I know others might take other modern horror movies, um, but I'm going to take The Babadook by Jennifer Ah, Kent. Nice. Um, So I haven't seen The Babadook. Oh, I so I mean, I I really liked. She did the Nightingale, right? She did. Yeah, which I loved. Um, mm-hmm. 
but I haven't seen the Babadook. It's been on my list. The Babadook, the Babadook is really great. I think it's a horror movie that may be more on your wavelength. It's um, it, it's a horror movie about being um, about being a parent, basically. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. it's also a horror movie in which <laughs> it's also a horror movie in which nobody dies, not even the monster. Uh, right? Like, am I am I forgetting here? Like, I don't think nobody is killed by the Babadook, but yet it's still a terrifying movie. That's my memory. Um, I haven't seen it since it first came out, but I that's my memory of it as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I realize I'm spoiling that, and I am sorry. That's like, okay. But I mean, it, it you know it it is phenomenal. I I can't think of a, a horror movie that is more cohesive in terms of like the story it's telling, working so well with the way that it's shot and just the themes that it's working with and it's all tied together in such a phenomenal package um it's really it it was really both scary and an amazingly well done um horror movie so i I actually would really recommend that you check it out yeah i'd love to see it it's it's been on my list it's certainly one that you know it was it was a it's a perfect example of what i was talking about earlier where when i saw the nightingale i kind of was like I want to go back and watch the Babadook. I want to know this director better. Mm. Um, and I just never got a chance to do it, but um, it's certainly a movie I want to see. Yeah. And it's, it deals with other themes too, like grief and things like that as well. Um, you know, there's lots of things that we can consider the monster to be a metaphor for in the film. Um, but yeah, it's really great. I, I, I think it's, it'd be more up your alley than a lot of the other, um, a lot of other horror movies. Nick, you are up, sir. Okay, yeah, you know, um, I'm glad you picked the Babadook because I think my next choice is, I think, uh, came out after the Babadook, but sort of continued. I think the Babadook and um, a couple of these other films uh, of that era really kicked off this new sort of wave of of critically acclaimed horror. I think it's being taken seriously again, um, and I think the Babadook Sorry, I shouldn't say again. I, I just think I think there's a current wave of, of modern horror that's really yeah, there definitely is. Yeah, yeah, you know uh, where there's where where the I mean horror. I think a lot of good horror says something. You know whether it's mm-hmm. political or if it's just speaking about the you know just more general societal fears of the time, but doing it through you know whatever. Um, that's I think always been the case, but I think uh, this more recent wave. Um, has really gotten critics talking a lot more about you know what's going on beneath the surface there's the surface horror and and like these films are scary the babadook is scary um but there's more going on so i'm gonna choose hereditary um as my next Mm. choice which um which is pretty polarizing i think i I know people either hated it or i've never i've never encountered someone who oh well see yeah you found one yeah i found one interesting (laughs) very interesting yeah yeah Everyone I've seen has either been very disappointed or just blown away. I, I'm in the latter category. I was I was very blown away. Um, I don't really have anything to to say about it. I mean, I think I think that. Ari Aster is super talented. Um, I think there's some amazing tension and some amazing scenes in this in this movie. Um, it goes way 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 too off the rails for me. That's why it doesn't work. Um, but you know the first two thirds of this are masterfully done. I think it's like amazingly shot. I think he's a really talented director that I think is getting better. Um, not to step on any potential other picks, but like, I think he's somebody that like hope, or I should, I should say, I hope that like little by little, he like gets reined in a little. I don't like 
directors, especially directors that kind of have the freedom to make the movies they want to like have other people telling them what to do. But like, if he can kind of just like get a little bit more control out of like where his stories go, I think that he can make some great movies moving forward. Um, but hereditary is a really well-made movie. I just, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. So <laughs> it, I'm definitely like right down the middle for that movie. No, that's fair. I mean, the ending I think is, is really, that's the breaking point for most people. Yeah. Uh, who, it's who wild. Like... It. it is wild. <laughs> Admittedly it's wild. I, it, I thought honestly that it, it could have gone in a different direction and maybe I would have enjoyed it more, but there's so much that's done right in that film. Um, for me that, um, I have to, I just have to put it on my list. It was between that and another modern movie for number four, which I won't well, say. But yeah. since I have two picks, I might as well just take this one next because these will be my last two picks. I'll, I'll take Midsummer, um, which I think is I like better than than Hereditary. I think it was a step forward for him, and I think like you know Nick, you kind of pointed out like there's all these different like emotions that horror can elicit, right? Whether it's scary or whatever, and I think unease and unsettling is just like the perfect description for Midsommar like you leave that movie just being like oh my what did I just watch what just happened like it is unsettling and I think a huge part of that has to do with how well that movie is shot um Pavel Pogoreski or something I think is how you say his DP's name um you know we nominate I think he was nominated for some fixies on on our podcast and I think that that movie like is it an extension of Ariaster's talents and how good of a director and filmmaker he is and I love Florence Pugh in that movie I think her performance is incredible um and it's it's unsettling and it's scary and it's weird and it's just like it just does something with the horror genre that I think you know I'm not as familiar with I'm sure you guys are where it's just like you know there was all this stuff about like how can you make a horror movie in broad daylight like and the whole but I don't think that's as important I think it's more just like you're just put in these scenarios where these people are acting strange and like it makes you wonder why and then it maybe wasn't for any reason at all but then somebody else was acting strange and that was a very pivotal reason and it's just it like you're you spend the whole movie kind of with your stomach in knots and I think that's just like really expert filmmaking when that happens and I didn't I don't love how this movie ended either I think this movie has some issues and some flaws like hereditary but um I, I liked it better I think it was a step in the right direction I'm I'm excited to see what Ari Aster continues to do nice I actually have not seen Midsommar yet I really I'm really disappointed that I haven't seen it before wow. this because I knew it was going to be chosen yeah no I, I really I've got to get on that um. um and then my last pick which i honestly like i'm surprised it's still here um but it's i'm gonna go with the sixth sense um, oh wow i didn't even think about that movie which you know was obviously the coming out party for m night Shyamalan. um you know you could argue maybe it's all been downhill since i mean i think that unbreakable is a great movie i think uh signs is a good movie um you know me and me and Chapin joke a lot about how we'll we'll see any Shyamalan movie and we because we went to see um The Happening at the Arclight which is maybe one of the worst movies I've ever seen but um you know the, so The Sixth Sense is is brilliant right it's it's got an amazing performance from Haley Joel Osment it's just like classic horror tropes you know that he just works so well uh and and the twist works right and like the clues are there uh he hides them just well enough and again maybe maybe the success of the sixth sense and the twist in it ended up hurting him more than helping him because he had felt like he had to try to 
do it moving forward but i just think this is this is a great movie we reviewed it last year i think on our pod um for the 20th anniversary and it's it's a really impressive movie it's it's kind of amazing you kind of forget how well made it is because of the twist and that's obviously what everybody remembers it's also genuinely yeah. a chilling movie. It's, it's totally. It's scary. It I remember scary. being so scared. Like uh, little Misha Barton scared the shit out of me when yeah. she like throws up in the little tent. Like <laughs> that. It is. There's some like genuine scares, and I don't think that happens mm-hmm. a lot in movies for me. But there are like some genuine scares in this movie. It is yeah. chilling. It's or, scary. Yeah, and when the kids, you know, talking to him, and it's like, I'll show you where my dad. Just yeah, and the gun and the turns, and there's a yeah. hole in his head. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. freaky. It I is. think it also being PG thirteen, you know, yeah, you're not ready that for time, that. It, it, well, yeah, and and it, I think that also maybe why people don't think of it as horror as much, right? Even though there's obviously plenty of PG thirteen horror, but it, that was more something that came about more in the two thousands as you know the the box office became a bigger deal, uh, something like The Ring and and stuff like that. But I think that's why that kind of gets pushed more into the the thriller category by people and not. Um, horror but i 100 percent agree because there's it's a pretty terrifying uh movie especially if you're you know believe in ghosts and stuff like that yeah and i also don't think that you can um you know to your point lee like it's i think it's maybe unfairly maligned now not not that's not that's unfair i think people still think it's great but i, I think that his subsequent filmography may yeah have he's had a tough run yeah which is not fair because that movie should not be viewed in any other context except for like when that and that movie by itself is just a brilliant, brilliant thriller. Also, I that that opening scene with Donnie Wahlberg is like legit scary. Like that's like everybody's worst nightmare, right? You're just like at home with your wife and there's just like this guy with a gun in his underwear in your bathroom. Mm-hmm. Like, so, yeah, it's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, yeah. There's a yeah, lot home in that invasion movie that's horror. Terrifying. Yeah, and and home invasion horror is like the one genre subgenre that actually I do find scary. Because it is like so, you know, it's not likely, but it yeah, you so just don't want that to happen. happen, right? Like exactly, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, you know, I, 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 we talked about it before, like on a thing. There's not a lot of horror movies that really like scare me. I watch them because I really enjoy them, and but like supernatural stuff doesn't really scare me at all because it's not things I believe in. But like home invasion, <laughs> yeah, right. like that that will petrify me if I got to go like downstairs after i've watched one and then i'm like wait did i lock this door you know like all that stuff um i agree nick your last pick of the draft sir i am no this is your last oh this is i'm sorry i was like yeah okay okay right yeah this is number five okay um i think i got every movie that i wanted here which is amazing i'm gonna bookend my my choices with a another stephen king movie and say misery um, mm. Oh, that was interesting. That was another one I wasn't sure was going to be horror, but also I've never seen Misery somehow. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know if it it's is just horror. honestly one that's just like slipped through the cracks over the years. But I think um, is it hard? Yeah. Like I, I think it's categorized like pretty commonly as horror, but I, I mean, I, it's a thriller. Um, so I don't know, Brantley, you're you're the ultimate decision maker here. It stays. Ooh. It's it's a horror movie. Okay. All right. I appreciate that. I'm I'm a I'm a merciful commissioner. You really are. I'll let you, I'll let you both have them. He's also being like this podcast is two hours long. We need to. <laughs> we <have> to <laughs> I can't make him pick another one. I have I have plenty of other choices if you want to get rid of it. Um, no, no. I I think Misery is a horror movie. I, I don't ever want my ankles, 
broken with a sledgehammer. Um, so yeah, I find that horrific. I mean, that's certainly obviously. I think that's that's Stephen King's scariest. Um, to, to I mean, for him, that's his nightmare for sure. So it's, mm-hmm. can't deny it's a horror movie for him. Um, I think it's incredibly tightly, tightly directed, tightly made. Obviously, well acted. Um, beyond well acted. Um, uh, well deserved praise all around uh, for the performances in that movie, and um, you know I think Rob Reiner's done two great Stephen King movies, and I think that one, in terms of horror, is the only one that really could be considered horror. Um, but Stand by Me is another great movie. He's obviously he and Frank Darabont mm-hmm. are great, you know, filmmakers when it comes to adapting Stephen King. No question about it. But I think Misery is is really one of Rob Reiner's best films. Personally, agreed. Ah, oh boy. All right, Bradley. I know he's been so thrown just... off, and now you have way you can end it with a you can end it with a bang. Well, you know, there's one that I would I really want, but I'm like, okay, but is it really? Even I question, is it really prestige horror? I mean, it's a horror movie I I really like. I think it's gotten some certainly some critical acclaim, but and then there's other like you know older stuff, but I'm like, do I want to pick that or should I stick with my heart with some of the newer things? Go Jesus. with your heart. Um, Okay, if I go with my heart, then I'm gonna draft American Psycho. Man, that's another Aaron. one. I was like, this—that's not a horror movie, is it? I—I I mean, look, I—I I think it is. I think it's—it's it's like a almost like a satire of you know serial killers and, and horror genre. And it's like—I guess you could argue it's more like dark comedy than a horror movie. Um, I think I think it just crosses genres like like a few of the ones we've we've talked about. I, you know, personally, I, it's one of my favorite movies, um, it's and awesome, it's yeah. one I, I yeah. It's I think it's I mean I think it's a really um, misunderstood film. I think people kind of focus on the wrong aspects of it sometimes, and especially like when you get to the ending and stuff like that. Um, and I think Mary Heron does a does a you know phenomenal job uh, with the movie. I mean, Christian Bale is just amazing in it. Um, it's just like such a wonderful you know satire of the yuppie you know consumerist eighties and um, and ah uh, Jesus. All right, I'm not going to talk anymore about it. I, I feel like I, I can't talk tonight. Period. Um, I love American Psycho. I'm the commissioner. It stays. I don't care what people think of it. Is or isn't a horror movie. Uh, I'm going to take the one movie I really, really wanted as the last pick in the draft. uh, And I'm going to have American Psycho. Fair enough. All right. I think we should just move right on into uh, the uh, undrafted free agents. I have a ton of honorable mentions. Uh, I'm sure you guys do too. Lee, you want to rattle off a couple? Yeah, a couple I had. It comes at night. Um, from Trey Edward Schultz. Mm-hmm. That's a director I really like. I loved Waves. That was one of my favorite movies of 2019, I think. Um, but It Comes at Night was a was a good movie. Um, 28 Days Later is another one I really like um, from Danny oh. Boyle. I love Danny Boyle. I think that's a great movie. Um, this was I, so I put this on. I this I never really had any intention of picking this. I didn't think it was going to come to that. But Raw, did either of you guys see that? Um, no, I've been. I wanted to. to. I have. So yet. it's it's fucked up. Um, but it's really interesting. It's a really interesting movie. Um, Julia, du- I don't know how you say her last name. Ducourneau, I think. Um, 
her new movie Titan just won the Palme d'Or, so I'm excited about that. Um, I've heard that's hard to set through. But Raw is Raw is a really really unique, interesting movie. But it's like oddly like like the, so these people are like cannibals, but they're like oddly really relatable people. <laughs> it's such a weird movie, but um, that was one. And then this was uh, the Us trailer, which I think might be the scariest thing I've ever sat through. Um, but I didn't know if that could count. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I, I appreciate the creativity. <laughs> what about you, Nick? What honorable mentions did you have? Um, let's see here. Uh, I'll just list a few. Um, I think I'm actually surprised Rosemary's baby wasn't chosen. Yeah, um, that was one, but I just, I don't, it wasn't with my heart, so I wasn't going to Same here. That. Yeah, exactly. I just couldn't, I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic movie. Um, uh, let's see, not necessarily Prestige, but um, Burnt Offerings is a good one. Um, mm. I put some, uh, the, the Wailing and I Saw the Devil um, for, you know, foreign films and, and recent, The Fly, mm. uh, Cronenberg's The Fly. Um, oh, interesting. Cemetery yeah, that one... Man, that's an Italian one. That's great. Um, yeah. 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 And uh, Changeling and Ghost Story for me, which again, neither of those is a particularly well received movie, but uh, they're like they're sister movies in my mind, and I think they're both brilliant. Eastwood's Changeling? Yeah. No, 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 no. no. Um, oh, uh, like 1980 or 1981. Oh, I was like, that's not a horror movie, yeah. but I love that movie. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah. Um, uh, George C. Scott. George right? C. Scott, yeah. Um, Melvin Douglas, okay. yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, those are great. Yeah, the, um, I didn't have a ton of foreign stuff on here because it was hard for me to think of how well those were received. You know, it's I know that makes us very American centric. Let the uh, right one had... in was one I just I I oh, couldn't man, remember I a, about that. I couldn't remember yeah. a frame of that movie, so I was like, I I can't include this, but great I know choice. I really liked yeah. it. Love that movie. Yeah, let the right one in, and then the original Suspiria, where where two in terms of foreign ones. Um, we mentioned Rosemary's Baby, and then there was a bunch of other newer ones that um, I really liked, but that I would pick the Babadook over, and that's why that made my list. So things like It Follows, mm-hmm. oh, um, The Witch, which I almost wanted to do just because Robert Eggers was from New Hampshire, but I was like, yeah, I got to pick the Babadook over that. Um, the Invisible Man, I, I think is phenomenal. I loved that movie, uh, but like that was tough for so me because good. I'm like, that's like the fifth iteration of that. I'm like, how does that fit into Prestige? Yeah. Like, I like that, that movie. Great. I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, like, you know, to be fair, The Wizard of Oz 1939 is like the third or fourth iteration of that. And, you know, Ben-Hur 1959 is the third iteration of Ben-Hur it's as true. well. So, you know, I, you know, there's that. And then also The Invitation. Um, oh, I love but, that movie. Yeah. I, I do too, but here's my one qualm with the invitation. Why I didn't take is I feel like it takes a while to get going, and I think it's a little bit of a slog in the first like twenty thirty ish minutes, yeah. and then like it hits the pedal to the metal, um, and is is phenomenal as it gets going. But it, it took me a while to get into that one, which is why it just didn't make my list. It's actually one I'd like to rewatch now that I kind of know what's happened in it to see if there was things I was missing. You know. Yep. Yep. So there's a couple of the other newer ones that I would have taken. Oh, and then a, actually a couple other foreign ones I had in here were Tigers Are Not Afraid. Oh my God. And Great choice. Yeah, and A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Nice. But, you know, I just, I would have rather had like Babadook over those and American Psycho. So that's the only reasons they didn't make my list. Tigers Are Not Afraid is like one of my favorite uh, horror films of recent years. Great. Great. Yeah. I was blown and that's, away. 
Yeah, that was a, a, a awesome, awesome movie. Although it's one that I know some people are like, it's not really horror. It's one of those ones that people want to argue isn't really horror. I mean, know, it's horror unquote, in the but... sense that you just remind me of a bunch that I should have put on here. It's 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 a you know it's like it's Pan's Labyrinth and, um, uh, you know uh, why can't I think of the first um, the other Guillermo del Toro film devil's backbone thank you yes yes which again i view those as two sister films too um yeah and yeah. tigers are not afraid i think is right alongside it it feels like that um the orphanage is another mm-hmm. one i should have mentioned i love that movie mm-hmm. um i had a few others too that were worth mentioning that i can't remember now um but yeah you just reminded me a oh, relic with emily mortimer that's a, a recent one that i thought was really good oh i haven't seen that yet yeah I- i've heard really good things about it it's definitely worth watching um yeah, def- definitely worth watching. Um, okay. But uh, I feel like there's another one, too, that's really worth Another recent one that... I don't know. There's a lot. There's too many to, to list here, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I know. This is... I think, you know, as we draft the bigger, you know, topics and stuff, we're going to go through and have lots of undrafted free agents we would sign to our team uh, if we could. Um but yeah, there's a lot of great stuff that that just didn't make the list. I think this will be interesting. What you guys, as we move into post draft analysis, what you guys think the reach of the draft and the steal of the draft? I mean, I are. I can tell you, I know the answer. There's a one answer. <laughs> okay. I I and it's because it's basically because of the way things played out. I reached for Shutter Island, and Nick stole the innocence. <laughs> like I don't think there's any yes. any argument. I should have taken the innocence I, there. I didn't. I reached for mm-hmm. Shutter Island. And he got the innocence, which was a steal. We all wanted that. I mean, that's the answer. And I think I, I think if I yeah. took the innocence, I win this draft. I think I definitely <laughs> think I win. But I think maybe Nick wins now because he has that the shining silence of the lambs as his top three. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty happy with yeah the way it shook out. Yeah, I'm frustrated. Yeah, I'm, I'm frustrated. I. Oh. I didn't. I'm very. Frustrated. I didn't prepare well. I didn't know my opponents. I, I wasn't. I didn't watch enough game film. <laughs> and I thought I knew my opponents, and that was my downfall. Uh, <laughs> I was overconfident uh, that you guys were going to go in certain directions, and did not. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, 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 I agree. I didn't even have Shutter Island on my list, so I think yeah, grabbing that in the third round probably is a reach. I knew no, but, I, you know, we all have yeah. things we love. I knew you, you know? guys weren't going to take that, but it was literally the thought process was like. I have two picks here and I, I didn't, I just had no expectation that the innocence was going to be taken. Like, this is not mm-hmm. a movie that's talked about. I didn't know anybody else has seen this movie. I knew you'd seen it apparently, but like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. It should be. It's criminally yeah. under talked about. So that is a hundred percent the steal of the draft to get that in the third round. Be, you know, even if that's not necessarily early, it's still the one that we all obviously wanted and waited yeah. too long. It's on. before, before Lee and I thought we could get it, yeah. like we were thinking fourth or fifth maybe, but obviously you stole it from us, so that easily makes it the steal of the draft. All right, I'll take it. All right, Nick, this is yeah, man, you really, you really friggin' nailed it uh, on this draft, man. I got all the ones I wanted. I could have had my top five on here. I ultimately switched. Um, I had Let's Scare Jessica to Death on my list, which really isn't a prestige mm. horror film, I don't think. It's it wouldn't be considered that, um, and so I switched that one out for uh, for misery. So, but I'm still happy. I, yeah, I I think that's a good call. This yeah. is frustrating because like you guys host this pod, you're gonna have chances to redeem yourselves. Like I have to leave here knowing <laughs> that I didn't didn't get the best team. 
and that the innocence yeah. was there on the board for me, and basically, you know, I missed it. It's like the Patriots taking Nikhil Harry over DK Metcalf, right? It's like the yep. It's like the Bears trading up for Mitch Trubisky and leaving Patrick Mahomes on the board. <laughs> like that. That's how I feel right now, and I don't have I don't have an opportunity to redeem myself. So, well, we'd love well, to have I'll you tell back. You what, Lee. Yeah, if you, I, if you any other if you can topic find another topic where I will appropriately fit in, I would love to. I think that'd be great. But as you guys know, this is. I hope I held my own. I feel like I did actually a decent job, you know, considering the yeah. company I'm in. Absolutely. Um, oh yeah, yeah. You you stole get out from me. That was one I wanted to grab. So yeah, you you definitely held your own. And I was not expecting you to take Alien number one. I you know me neither. I would take that over Jaws. So I because I thought you were going Jaws. Man, yeah. Uh, I feel shook after this draft. I just, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I feel like I prepared poorly. Uh, thought I would be talking about other movies than I was, and and then uh, was just flummoxed, and it it spiraled from there. I feel great, not just because of my team, but because I'm, I'm I feel like, um, I don't know. I feel like the fact that you guys share pretty much exactly the same tastes, and and we're thinking of some of these movies too, makes me feel all the better about enjoying them as Getting much as promos. i do yeah. yeah i i'm just glad you guys didn't list rattle off like 10 movies that i'd never heard of that and i was just on here being like naming the movies made in the last 20 years <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no i mean I, I think prestige horror you know it's you think of the you think of the best of the best so i think you know that's going to leave a lot of the same titles and you know uh, although you know some surprises that you know some stuff wasn't on your guys' list like like jaws that would that definitely and i thought you guys wouldn't have silence of the lambs because so many people want to put that as like a thriller and not horror so i thought you guys would have put that as thriller and not considered it a, a prestige horror um so yeah i thought i i didn't take that i took exorcist over that thinking i i would be able to grab it later but well i, I made a mistake hmm. on that dour note <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Horror Trips Podcast. I'm your host, Brantley Palmer, joined as always by my other co-host, Mr. Nick Schwartz. And Lee, thank you so much for coming on and joining us this episode. Thank you, guys. Uh, everybody. This has, been, yeah. this has been fun. I'm glad I got to come on. Obviously, I want to encourage your listeners to check out the Get Your Film Fix podcast, too. Um, oh, yes. And uh, But yeah, I this was, this was fun. It's nice to, it's nice to kind of take on a different perspective and, and talk about these movies. Yeah, yeah, man, we're happy you came on. Thank you so much. And yes, everybody, please go listen to the Get Your Film Fix podcast uh, uh, if you have if you don't already. Uh, it's a wonderful podcast hosted by Lee Chapin Hemingway and Jeremy Fisk. Uh, you know, uh, tackling the more you know <laughs> awardsy, prestigious movies, uh, and not slumming it in horror like we do over <laughs> here. Uh, but thank you, Lee, for for coming on, man. We appreciate it. Yeah can't thank you enough and we, we should definitely put a shout out when we post this too um to the oh absolutely and, appreciate yeah. it yeah yeah i'll put links in the show notes and 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 everything like that and uh be sure to mention it when we post on socials so all right folks cool. uh that's gonna do it for this episode uh please uh follow and like and whatever it is you know <laughs> review and and rate and stuff on on oh my god i'm so i'm so out of on it the internet. This, is how, uh, this is how we sound at the end of ours really this is like just 
yeah. fucking do something. Like, I don't know how it works. You guys figure it out. We're so exhausted. Yeah, yeah. We're so tired of asking. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I'm. that's exactly where I'm at right now. So with that, thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next time. The song you heard in this episode is You Are a Monster by Monroeville Music Center. It's being used under a CCBY Creative Commons license and was accessed from freemusicarchive.org. If you'd like to hear more of Monroeville Music Center, you can find them on Bandcamp, their Facebook page, YouTube, Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, Discogs, iHeartRadio, and Deezer. And hey, if you want to reach out and communicate with us, please send an email to horrordraftspod at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at horrordrafts, all one word. We'd love to hear any questions you have for us, suggestions for topics to draft, or ideas for guests, especially if you can put us in touch with them. Thanks everyone, and we hope to hear from you soon. Mm-hmm.